Hello and welcome back to the Trademark Sports Podcast. We're heading into the last week of trials and then stuff gets real next week. Next weekend, we're going to Vegas. How exciting is that for rugby league? Uh, but what's on the agenda for today, you ask? We're going to talk some more roster changing and stuff, some more signing news because somehow every single week there is stuff to talk about in that sense. Uh, and then we're going to get into just a couple of things that are like bits of news, talking about like the NRL um, and the position of power they're in at the moment. Um, some stuff around Manly, the New Zealand head coaching job, um, and yeah, just some stuff, just some other like little bits of news. And then we're going to get into questions from you guys. I asked on my Instagram story the other day, yesterday, for some questions you had about rugby league or anything heading into the season, and you guys came up with some absolute rippers, so we're going to get into a few of those. Um, before we get into it, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, leave a five-star rating. Um, if you are on YouTube, like and subscribe, um, and get, we'll get into the good stuff. So, first off, Luciano Lua has signed with the Dragons, f- effective immediately. On the face of it, in that sense, good signing gives you a dynamic duo in the second row of Sua and Lua, and like all the good Dragons teams have had guns, like second rows as a pair. I feel like for the last like even uh, before Frizzell left, like for ages we had gun second row pairing. So I, I like it from that standpoint. And you dig a little bit deeper. And Lucian Lua is going to be getting paid $900,000 a year. For the first year, the Cowboys are chipping in 400 k Okay, righto. Dragons are paying him, what, 500 k for the first year. But then it goes back up to 900 k a year from the Dragons' pocket. And um, you look at that, it's just... Like, Luciano Lua is a good player. Um, especially when he's on his day and consistent. But is he worth being the third highest paid second row in the competition? Like for a comparison, he's on $100,000 a year more than Homole Alakawatu. That's ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, I, I guess I get, like, at the Dragons, you've got to pay overs for players to come to the club because we are struggling um, and we do need cattle. And I think, like, the way I see the Dragons is, like, sort of, in a sense, how I see, like, the Dolphins recruitment from last season. So the Dolphins, like, in... Uh, what 2022 we're trying to recruit for the 2023 season and no one would come they couldn't get any single signings and it was just like they couldn't get any marquee signings I should say and I feel like it was because as the, the unknown for the players like we don't know like this could be a pile of like like yeah a pile of crap uh, organization or it could be good we'll have to wait and see they saw the potential and they saw that it was good and then in 2024 you land Avarillo Farmworth Flegler like bigger names and guys are going to be able to draw like draw and attract more other guys to the club so I think it will be easier for the Dragons to recruit if they can see improvements and changes this season which I hope they do my concern right is that there's so many studs coming on the market for November 1 this season if they don't re-sign throughout the year and we need the money for it 900k being tied up in in a second row up doesn't really scream having the money for it. Uh, ben Hunt will also be leaving at the end of the season. Like, well, not the end of the season, end of 2025. So he's one of those players that can negotiate from November 1. We're not going to keep him. We're going to need the money to make a play at a halfback. Not, like, having that extra 900k, or, let's, okay, sorry, let's say the extra 300k in the piggy bank because um, from Leilua having, like, 600k a year or something, that might come in handy, but 
it is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens. I still think it's going to be a handy signing. I think he's still like still a club junior. Uh, he wasn't that consistent when he was here, but he's also spent like three or four years away. Showed some good form at other clubs, so hopefully he can replicate that under a guy like Shane Flanagan. Um, other signing news around the league: Braden Hamanwele re-signed um, from for the 2026 and 2027 seasons, maybe or 25-26. I don't, I can't remember. But good signing for the Sharkies because that was the, was sort of the concern about getting Adam Fenor Blake in uh, was. What does the rest of their four-pack look like? Like, what does the rest of their front rowers look like? Can they still have all these guys in their squad with Adam Fenor Blake there? So now, like, your front row rotation is looking like Adam Fenor Blake, Braden Hamlin-Wele, uh, Toby Rudolph, who might even shift to 13. Oh, I get... Oh, I don't know. Um, and then, like, if you can keep him, Royce Hunt off the bench, Jesse Colquhoun, um, Tom Hazleton. The stock's looking pretty good there, to be honest, from the four-pack. And... It allows you to keep that, um, like, like to be honest, Adam Fenor Blake and Braden Hammond Wele starting together in a front row, like that's scary. That like, and that's a top four front row partnership. I think things are looking up for the Cronulla Sharkies. If I'm very, very honest, um, which is terrible as a Dragons fan, but great if you're a Sharky. Um, moving on, Adam Reynolds. He is re-signed with the Broncos for 2025. Now, I imagine it would be for unders for like, what he's on now to stay there and help the Broncos re-sign. Um, I think he was on a decent pay packet, but he's also still a halfback who's won a competition and is a veteran with that experience. So I can't imagine he'd be on it any less than 650, 700. The Broncos, have they've got to have a massive cap squeeze. They've recently re-signed Payne Haas, Ezra Mam. You've also re-signed... Um, What's he? Adam Reynolds. Coming your contract and able to negotiate with the clubs by November 1, we have Reese Walsh, who obviously is going to be the next priority. But I think one of the next two you're going to have to let go, and that's Selwyn Cobbo and Katoni Staggs. And you've also got young gun Blake Moser off contract. Now, I understand that he's probably not going to break the bank to stay at the Broncos, but again, you've got clubs like a Dragons that need a number nine that do have decent salary cap room for 2025 and beyond. So they're going to be able to throw a decent amount of money at him. And I don't think the Broncos will be able to match it. Obviously, I feel like Blake Moses is one of those guys that he's going to want to stay at the Broncos and be there long term. But he's also been parked behind guys for a couple of years now. I think this year he's definitely ready to make more of a step up into that first grade system, into that first grade side. But yeah, it just makes you wonder, like, how, how have they got the money to re-sign Walsh, Cobbo, Staggs, and, like, these other young guns? It's going to be tough for them, to be honest. Uh, but, like, I guess, like, it's one of those clubs where people, like, they're going to stay, un- they're going to take unders to stay there and, um, like, build towards the premiership because, as, like, I spoke about I was speaking about in a video that's coming out in a couple of days. The Broncos side is so young. Ezra Mam and Reese Walsh are both 21. Payne Haas is 24. Paddy Carrigan, I think, also resigned. Another one who would have taken up some cap. He's 26, so even he's still got six years of like left of being an absolute stud. So, and Blake Moses, what, 19? So the foundations of that squad is still very much there. Um, 
I'm just going to quickly like have a look here to try and see if there's any figures about what these guys are on in the salary cap. Um, sometimes, like you know, sometimes you don't. Right. So what we got? Pat Carrigan, 800k a year. Payne Haas, 1.2 for a front row. Was outlandish. Yeah. So that's two million dollars tied up there between Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas. Um, other guys just have a tick next to that. Tony Staggs is supposedly on 700, and I imagine he'd want the same, if not an upgrade. Adam Reynolds was on 800, so he would have taken a pay. He'd probably be about maybe 550, 600, so a bit more room there. Um, Jordan Ricky re-signed as well. So did Brendan Piakura. Reese Walsh. He's on 400k, apparently, at the moment. Which is still fantastic money. Forgot that Reese. He dead set could draw in a contract of like 1.5, 1.6 million dollars and you might think that's crazy outlandish money to pay for him but you also got to think about how many, like he's probably the biggest player in the comp at the moment, like marketability wise, I think he might have the most follows out of everyone on Instagram like he's a good looking dude he's young, he's marketable he's going to draw so many eyes so much attention to a club, I think like again if you're a Dragons, whose fullback spot certainly isn't locked down, or their number six spot, you would be stupid not to offer him close to two million bucks a year if you could afford it. Which is ridiculous money, but I just feel like the Broncos are in a spot where you got to make a decision. You got to cut someone. You got to make money somewhere because you've got two two million dollars of your cap tied up in Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas, who are essentially two front rowers, like. It is hard, but that's the beauty of the salary cap. Like, you have to go out and, like, it just levels the playing field. Otherwise, the Broncos team would be absolutely nuts. Um, so that's, like, the signing news and my my thoughts on some stuff around different squads in the NRL. Get on to some news that have come out the last couple of days. The NRL has increased their viewership by 14%, which is awesome news. Um, it totaled 178.1 million viewers over the course of the NRL season. That's a lot. That's pretty good. Um, and, like, I believe it also, somewhere I read that Peter Volandi said that we're in the most, like, strongest financial position that we've ever been as a code, which, it's, like, some of the stuff Peter Volandi, Peter Volandis does, I go, what are you thinking? What are you doing? But, stuff like this, you just go, like, he's probably one of the best general commissioners we've ever had. Um, the game's in such a good, strong spot at the moment. And this helps, again, with marketability, with TV rights deals, with generating more money, more income, more stuff they can put back into the NRL, playing the players more. Like, just the whole general experience is going to be better. I saw some comments, some negative comments being like, well, how come, like, why don't you decrease, like, lower the raise, um, sorry, lower the price of tickets, that sort of thing. But I think we will sort of see that. Um, hopefully, like, for those big games, like the grand final, the origin and stuff, they're always going to be really, really expensive because they know that at a core stadium they can pack 80,000 people in a, into it with an average like ticket cost of 220 bucks. That's a uh, easy $1.6 million. Yeah, that's why they do it. Um, but I do think if they do lower the ticket prices, it will entice more people to go through the games, which then looks even better for our game on the television. Like... You got 178.1 million people watching on TV. I think packing out 20,000 seat of stadiums isn't going to make too much of a dent in that number, respectfully. So I think, yeah, like 
they'll obviously it's going to be something that they're going to look at to be improving because the game's not perfect and never will be there's always gaps you can improve on i think it's just a, honestly a great thing in general and peter volandis is doing a good job so well done peter volandis even though you are definitely watching yeah uh, some news about manly right what i found interesting i looked at the the team list for the trial this weekend and i saw that both jamie humphreys and gordon cham kong tong named in the trial and I thought for sure one of them was going to be the 14 heading into round one and then I saw pictures of Carl Lawton heading over to Vegas and I was like okay yep and that's just something that if you're a Manly fan would make me a little bit frustrated with Anthony Seabold because Carl Lawton good player fair enough plugs a hole but Gordon Chan Tong and Jamie Humphries are the future of your like seven and nine positions why not give him a shot? Like, Gordy killed it towards the end of last season. Jamie Humphreys has been killing it in preseason. Like, just give him a crack. I understand that, like, it's a big, massive game over in Vegas and whatnot, rah, 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 but just having a look quickly, see if these guys are off contract. Gordon Chenkon Tong can negotiate from 2025. Jamie Humphreys can negotiate from 2025. Like, sorry, from November 1 this year. For next year. Both of them don't have a contract for 2025, so they could sign someone now. Um, after round six, because they're both juniors. And there are clubs that are desperate for like positions that they play in. The number nine position, there's literally Harry Grant that's elite and that's it, really. Uh, I just I just worry for Manly that these guys are going to see opportunities elsewhere and take off when you're giving minutes to Kyle Lawton. No respect to him. Um, I think he's a good player, can cover a couple of positions, but yeah, I just don't know about like the longevity for that Manly side. Um, it's interesting. Manly fans, let me know what you think about it. Um, and just like Anthony Seabold in general. We might as well just talk about this now. I was going to talk about it later. But, well, actually, there is something. Oh, yeah, no, no. We'll just keep talking about it. Um, Anthony Seabold taking a pot shot at the South because they're based themselves in San Diego. So they're not promoting the game in Vegas. Um, the game has been promoted in Vegas. I understand it's pl- being played there. Cool. You've got three teams out there pro- promoting in Vegas. What's wrong with Souths promoting the game or training somewhere else? I don't. And why are you concerned about where your opposition is training? Focus on yourself. Focus on your own team. Try and win a football game. Let the football talk for itself to promote the game in Vegas. I just thought it was interesting, and I was just like, "Why is like?" And I, I, look, I didn't see the interview where he said it. He might have just been asked about it. like it, it. The way it was portrayed in the headline was that he's just come out of nowhere and just said it like as if Rabbitohs rent free in his head. But I'm sure, given the history between Anthony Seabolt and the Rabbitohs, he would have been antagonized into saying something like that. So I'll give Seabolt a bit of credit there. Anyway, continuing with the Manly news, Josh Schuster stays at home. Ben Trebojevic will be on an edge, I believe, in round one. Supercoach players, you love to see that. I don't know what's going on with Josh Schuster, eh? And I don't know what the what the fix is. Because he's always injured. Well, like, the bloke missed the bloke missed some of preseason because he had chicken pox. Like, it's just such a Josh Schuster thing to be happening at the moment. I feel sorry for him. I think he's he seemed like he put in a lot of work to try and get his body back to NRL, and like he's gonna be he's the first person that's gonna say that he wants to be playing and like all this sort of stuff. Like it, it's not like he's just lazy and doesn't care. But uh, I just. It's a lot of money to be tied up in a player that's not playing. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, New Zealand have a new head coach, and that is uh, Stacey Jones, which 
I like it. Um, Wayne Bennett was obviously one of the front runners for that position. But I do like what they've done with Stacey Jones. I think he's been around the New Zealand system for a little while. I'm pretty sure Madge had him um, in there. He's also, I believe, a coach of some sort uh, for the Warriors. So it's not like he's just like fresh, never coached before. Uh, it's a guy that a lot of these players in New Zealand look up to and respect and listen to. Knows the New Zealand way. Knows how like how they want to play their identity. Um, so I think it's a great overall signing, to be honest, for New Zealand. And I'm sure he'll get some of the old boys, Adam Blair and that sort of thing, in and around the uh, coaching staff. And it's a good time for New Zealand Rugby League. Their squad is stacked. Good time for New- International Rugby League, if I'm honest. Um, and then lastly, like before we get into your questions, something that I want to talk about that's awesome is that uh, Corey Harawira Naira has been cleared to return to contact sport. That's awesome news. Obviously, he had that scare last... Was it last season? Or maybe in the season before, where he collapsed on the field. Um, yeah, that was something awful to watch. Uh, he had, like, myocarditis. So, it's like, we've never seen anything like this in rugby league of a player returning from something so serious. So, this is awesome news for Corey Hattabira Naira. Like, honestly, the priority is his health. But if he can overcome like this and like, return to rugby league, that's just an awesome feel-good story. So let's get into your questions. I asked you guys over on Instagram, which I probably will do every single week from now on with the podcast. So make sure you go over there and follow it at Trademark Sports with two S's at the end because first, like, just Trademark Sports was taken. Um, but yeah, you, you know the logo, you'll see me over there. Um, so yeah, I asked you guys for some questions. You come up with some pretty good ones. Um, the first one... Look, I feel like it was a little bit of a piss take from old the SC experience, Brandon, but it's, it's still a decent topic to discuss, and that's, will Tommy Trebojevic get the Dalian this year? And immediately it was like, no, but why not? Like, if he's injury-free and plays, like, the way he did in 2021, obviously I know, like, that was a crazy season and whatnot, but even last year, he scored 10 tries in 11 games, and everyone thought he was playing shit. That's crazy. Like, for the fact that a player can have 10 tries in 11 games, people still think, like, he had a bad year. And that's the thing. So, Manly, 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 Manly have the um, potential to be a top-four club again. Like, their squad's actually pretty good. And Luke Brooks, and I think, is going to have a good year. Rah, rah, rah. But if Manly do play very well and have a run, Tom Travojevic will be an absolute staple and like pretty much the centerpiece to that. So he'll get six points more often than not if Manly win. So why not? I reckon he could get Dalian. I feel like if they if you still have a bet on Dalian, he'd have some pretty good odds there. Uh, next question is from Shannon Barbala. Who is my top four for this year? It's very boring. Very, very boring. Um, Panthers. Broncos. My other two. Do you have the Roosters? I do think it clicks this year for them in attack. Um, yeah. As I like, sort of said um, in a previous video, I think that uh, just the Roosters just took a little bit of time to adjust to life after Cooper Cronk. Having Sam Walker in there and not being able to do what Cooper Cronk does because Cooper Cronk is one of the best, if not the best, halfback of all time. Um and Sam Walker's a 19-year-old kid, is 21 now. I just think him and Kiri, though, do play very, very similar, which is a blessing and a curse. But then, like, it clicked towards the back end of 2022, and then Brandon Smith came in, and then you had to restart that all again, like, that whole process. 
and again, Eclipse at the back end of 2023. So I think we'll see 2024 be a more consistent season. They need to start well, but I do think the Roosters make the top four. The other one, I've got the Bunnies up there. Um, it's like they've got a lot of injuries and stuff to start the season as well, but I think they'll be fine. Um, who else I think could make that? Honestly, probably the Storm. They're always there or thereabouts. They had a bad season last year and finished third. Yeah, honestly, I'll probably see that. They'll, they could also be some other random team that just sneaks through. The Knights potentially could uh, be top four. Very, very hard to beat in Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I think my top four, though, for right now, um, is Penrith, Broncos, Rabbitohs, Roosters. So, sorry for being boring, but that's just, it is what it is. Uh, Lockie underscore Dev18 has asked, do you think any coaches are under pressure for the sack this season? Absolutely. I think there is a coach over in Western Sydney that um, job is very much on the line this season. That is Brad Arthur. I think he is a good coach. I'll preface it with that. But I think he has reached his ceiling with the Parramatta Eels. He brought them up from the absolute runt of and rubble of the NRL. And I think absolutely he should be praised for that. So saying, some, I think somewhat goes, like if you live long enough as the hero, you'll see yourself die as the villain, along those lines. Anyway, um, I just think Parra fans are getting sick of Brad Arthur's antics and stuff. His tactics are very questionable sometimes. Um, and like, look, they could, they could also finish top four this season, but they could also miss the eight again, and I am a little bit worried they will. And I think if they do, Brad Arthur's done, which is unfortunate for him, but I just think, with the squad and stuff that they've had, they should have achieved more than what they have. Um, who else is there out there? I th- honestly feel like just with the way the Bulldogs are, Cameron Serraldo is under pressure if they don't improve. Like don't don't show signs, don't show signs of improvement in 2024. Who else we got out there? Um, I don't think Shane Flanagan or Benji will get the sack this year. Ricky Stewart. Again, I feel like he's at his ceiling with the Raiders, but I don't know who comes in there and does a better job. So I think he's pretty safe there. Um, who else is there? I feel like that's realistically it. Um, every other coach is pretty safe, but then in saying that, we saw Justin Holbrook get the sack while Titans were in the eight last year, so you never really know in this funny game of um, rugby league. I don't, well, he's not gonna get sacked, but Craig Bellamy won't be coached next year for the Storm. Simple as that. Uh, Maxi underscore Connell has asked, "Will Bo Fermor return? Uh, Bill will uh, <laughs> will Bo Fermor return to form? Wowzers! I apologise for that. Um, be patient. He's just come off the back of an ACL. Usually takes a little while to get back into it. I do think maybe back end of the year he'll be killing it again." But I feel like he might start the year slow. And then James Bryan has asked, who would I like to see play fullback for New South Wales if it's not Tedesco? Because Madge has hinted that there might be a very new look Blues side this year, a new wave, new era. Dylan Edwards is obviously the main one that comes up. But even still, like, I feel like after last year, Brabham Best definitely deserves a spot. And if Trell and Turbo are fit, you got to get them in there somewhere. So I feel like even Turbo fullback in Origin could be nuts or it could be interesting. Um, I don't know, man. Like, there's so many good fullbacks. Like, as I just mentioned, like you got Troll there as well. You can play fullback. Um, there's other players that I'm forgetting. 
I do feel like though, like as I just sort of spoke about with the Roosters, I feel like Teddy will bounce back and it'll be Teddy again anyway. But yeah, you guys let me know who you think should be New South Wales fullback in 2024. Uh, and then the last question to round us out is from Zach.Brown. And he says, do I think the NRL should be looking to expand into Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, instead of the USA? Yes. Now, I understand why they're going um, to the US and that sort of thing. Like we spoke about it before. Financially, it's a great decision for the NRL. However, I just think there's a market there in Pacifica. Why not tap into that? I do think the next team in the NRL potentially will be a Pacifica team based in Cairns, but goes plays their games in Fiji and whatnot. And they're taking a trial match this weekend over to Fiji. So little things like that where it's like, look, maybe they are like they are trying to expand into that, but they're pushing very hard in the paint for uh, US and uh, that sort of thing. But that's just because there's so much money in like the sports market and in gambling, like look how much look how much their athletes get paid in US. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's tough. Like I sort of I just don't really know how you do it effectively. Whether it is bringing in a team or taking games out there and stuff, but I do absolutely believe that they should go out there. More than fifty percent of the um, NRL's contracted players now are Polynesian. They're just unbelievable athletes and really good at rugby league so absolutely I do agree that they should be promoting the game and looking to expand into Fiji, Samoa, Tonga that sort of thing um, instead of the US so that wraps us up for another episode of the Trademark Sports Podcast um, it's episode 3 for the year so thank you for sticking along and bearing with us there is 10 days until the first, like till kickoff in Vegas so that's going to be the comment if you made it this far 10 days And always remember to to Bradman do your best and Scotty drink your water. Thank you.